NFR Extra is a weekly podcast that focuses on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons that embody the rodeo and Western lifestyle. I got a guitar for Christmas. I got I got a little red Fender guitar. That's where it kind of started, just from that, and then it moved from like lip syncing to Elvis songs to actually singing. I got a karaoke machine, right? Tortured my brother with that for a few years until I could actually I could actually sing a little bit. It was it was it was pretty rough there for a while. <laughs> I didn't move to Nashville. I didn't I didn't move to Nashville planning on being a writer at all. You know, I thought you know, when I moved here, I was like, man, you know, George Strait never had to write anything, and I'm you know. I'm just going to go and get all these great songs in Nashville and, and make a record. <laughs> and right off in the sunset. 45 years now. And to think that a guy that's been gone for 45 years can have an impact on somebody's life the way it has on mine. It's just, it's what it's all about, man. It's what it's music's about. It's about leaving something behind. Howdy, I'm Bob Tolman. And this is NFR Extra. Well, joining us, we have Drake Milligan. And Drake, you were able to perform at the National Finals Rodeo last year. So tell us a little bit about that experience. Oh, man, it was fun. That was my first time being out of NFR uh, in Vegas. And, man, we had a great time. Uh, I had my band out there, but I did a bunch of stuff. Uh, I got to sing the anthem, um, which is kind of a dream come true. Uh, man, it was it was so much fun. Coming out of the Fort Worth side of things, there's a strong influence of a lot of great country music. Uh, what led you into the country music side? Well, you know, I, I actually grew up, I mean, I grew up on my parents' records. My, my parents are big country music fans. and um, I mean, I grew up, my dad's a big George Jones fan, Merle Haggard. Uh, my mom loved like the outlaw stuff, Waylon Jennings, uh, Christopherson, Willie. Um, and so I grew up really on, on their music and, and just fell in love with it. Uh, you know, a big, big record for me growing up was actually, I mean, especially around Texas, you can't get away from George Strait's music. Uh, remember that just comes natural. All that stuff was right around when I was a kid. And, and then, um, Alan Jackson, uh, I remember growing up like his under the influence record had like Papa top revenue, man, blues, man, um, that record was really, really just big for me when I was a kid. And just, I think it's kind of imprinted in me. So take us back to growing up. Tell us a little bit about your, your childhood and then what got you into music. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I kind of, I had a pretty average, uh, Texas boy, uh, upbringing. Um, my dad runs a scrap yard. It's kind of the family business. Uh, my grandpa started it. My dad runs it now and my brother's, um, going into it and, uh, my mom's a veterinarian. Uh, she ran a practice for, for about 30 years. And um, yeah, man, I grew up, uh, you know, hunting and fishing. We'd go out. It was, you know, close to as close to religion in our house. You know, as, I mean, we were religious too, but, you know, it was it was like religion in our house when when deer season hit to <laughs> head out, head out to the deer lease. And, uh, you know, my mom, my mom was, of course, a veterinarian, animal loving, and, and she'd stay behind. <laughs> She'd stay behind and she enjoyed her quiet time at the house. So, um, but you know, that, that hunting is still a big, really big part of my life. Um, just getting out and, and that's kind of my, you know, obviously 
life as a singer can get pretty pretty crazy and hectic at times and that's kind of my I, my uh, escape is, is getting out of the woods so where with the dad running the scrapyard the mom's veterinarian where did the you playing music influence come from you know, it, it, I really got into it. I mean, I, I loved music as a kid. I was always drawn to it. I had an uncle that played uh, dueling pianos, had a bunch of dueling piano bars, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, but I really didn't get into it until I discovered uh, Elvis and discovered who Elvis was. And that was through a, an Elvis impersonator by total accident. I saw an Elvis impersonator. I was out eating with the family at a local burger spot, and there was an Elvis impersonator there by the name of Carlton Hurdle. And uh, he's a big guy. He's big. Like he's like dang near seven feet tall and uh, had the jumpsuits and everything, singing the songs. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'd never seen anything like that. Um, and then I went home and, you know, just started looking up everything I could on Elvis and getting all the Elvis movies, watching them, watching all the performances, uh, just listening to his music constantly and just kind of became obsessed as a kid. And that's really how I got into playing it was it was kind of my transition because i i grew up going uh going to concerts going to the houston rodeo actually uh every year and we'd see you know some of my heroes randy travis and alan jackson guys like that play but it was the first time seeing elvis was the first time that i, I watched somebody perform you know right. it was like it was more than just standing there with a the guitar i mean I, it was it was it was really interactive it was something it was something kind of bigger uh than, than what I had seen before. And, and so that was kind of my aha moment of, Oh, this is like something I can actually do. I could, I could like become an entertainer. And, and that's kind of where my, where my sights got set on that. So did it start with a piano, a guitar singing? I started out with a guitar. Uh, I started out, uh, I got a guitar for Christmas just right around then I got, I got a little red Fender guitar, uh, for Christmas. And that's where it kind of started just from that. And then, it moved from like lip sync into Elvis songs to actually singing. I got a karaoke machine, right? And then um, tortured my brother with that for a few years until I could actually, I could actually sing a little bit. It was, it was, it was pretty rough there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. The Elvis thing, my son, he's seven years old and he, uh, that suspicious mind uh, Elvis in Las Vegas with the white jumpsuit and the yeah tie and the calf dance and just the craziness. It's so funny because he watches that and I'm, I couldn't carry a tune. I mean, if you handed it to me on a platter, but uh, he can't either. But it's so funny, the draw, you know, I mean, you look at kind of what you're doing, how you had that influence uh, by Elvis on that tour. Man, where you're at now, you could have some little kid, you know, saying, oh, man, I remember watching Drake Mulligan on, on American Idol. And, and I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. So what's that feel like to be in a position now where people are watching you? Man, that's the dream. That's the dream because I, you think about a guy like Elvis and he could be so impactful and he's been gone for 45 years now. And to think that a guy that's been gone for 45 years can have an impact on somebody's life the way it has on mine. Um, it's just, it's what it's all about, man. It's what it's music's about. It's about leaving something behind. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's so much more than just kind of songs. And in the moment it's, 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 I mean, that's cool to think that's the, that's the dream, right. Is to, is to have music that lasts and, and makes a difference in somebody's life. Um, and, and makes them, uh, you know, passionate about something. At what moment did you come to the realization that, Hey, I have, I have enough ability to be on something like America's got talent. You know, I, it, I had actually done, um, 
American Idol in 2017. I, I auditioned for the show, right? I met with some producers and, and, and got the opportunity to audition. And I, I did the audition. And, and right around then, I, I hadn't done any work as an artist, right? I hadn't done any songwriting work. I hadn't done any uh, work in the studio. I'd done virtually no live performance work. And I, I just decided right after that performance, uh, that, that audition, you know, I got the, I got the audition, got the golden ticket in between kind of the audition and then going to actually going actually to quote unquote Hollywood. I dropped out just because it was, I was like, I'm not ready for this platform. I mean, I've, I've done no work uh, as an artist, you know, on myself and, 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 you know, it wouldn't be fair to myself to, to try to throw me up on that stage. And so, so I went, I did that and I went to Nashville and I worked really hard. Um, I started writing songs. I got with anybody I could and just started writing every single day. And that's where I've been since, since 2017 is in Nashville writing. And, and so this year came along and, and, you know, I've, I've just been, I've been putting in the, the work and, uh, it, you know, we really needed a, a, a launching pad. I've got a record, uh, 14 song record completed and, um, we've been on the road and, and, and I just really needed something to, uh, to kind of get the, get the train rolling. Right. And AGT came along and it seemed like, okay, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity because I'm, I'm totally ready for this now. You know, I, I, I've got a great band now. Um, I know who I am. I know what I want to say. I've got songs that I want to sing and, um, you know, it was like, I got to go for this. Give us a peek behind the curtain on that America's Got Talent process. I mean, what what do you go through in starting out and then as you as you progress through the show? Yeah, I mean, our audition is pretty bare bones, right? It's it, it's our audition was, you know, uh, me and the band uh, and and we did it. My song sounds like something I do, but there's no production value behind it. Right. We go out there and we just kind of sang her song and it was it was cool because it was more it was all about just the song and you know i i, I can't help but try to perform a little bit um but there's no lighting to help you there's no camera angles there's there's nothing like that it's just kind of a bare bones you know here's what i got and you know as we went into the live show uh a few weeks ago um and, and again the live show i mean that's you go straight from that to a whole production, right? We got a, they have a great, great production crew that, that helps you out and, and, and lots of cameras, lots of lighting. And you go straight from that to a tool and, and not to mention the 8 million people watching behind. It. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but man, it, it just gets more and more, especially after the first time it, the only way I can describe just being on that stage is addictive for me. It's just, you get such a rush from, from knowing that you're performing to that many people and, and it's, it's fun, you know, it, it, you, you have all these like pretty much unlimited resources to put on a great you know, performance. And, and, you know, I try to use all that I can, you know, it's like, you have there's so many fun camera angles and lighting and moments in the song and moments with my band. And so it's, it's, it's really addictive. It's like, that was my thought process going into the results of, of last time was like, man, I just want to be able to, to get on the stage again. Right. That was my, like, I just want to put on a good enough performance to, to do it again, just because it's so much fun. Well, it's funny because you, you mentioned George Strait earlier, and that's something that he said through the years is a lot of people have said, well, you need to retire. You need to 
do X, Y, and Z. And he's like, well, there's no feeling like being on stage in front of those audiences. And that's, yeah. that's one of the things that keeps him going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it just kind of, it, it's, it, it's, it's addictive, man. It's just seeing a crowd and then the AGT crowd that the crowd that's there in Pasadena is amazing. I mean, they're like electric, they're like up on their feet. And so they, they're a big part of, of putting on a performance there. Cause you know, if you don't have that crowd and that live energy, it's hard to put on a performance for, you know, just cameras. Let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back. Every year, rodeo fans make their way to Las Vegas to immerse themselves in the Western lifestyle. For many, their NFR experience includes a trip or two to the Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas in search of more. More time with friends. More fashion. More entertainment. More choices. More autograph sessions. More you. And more Vegas. The Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas. December 1st through 10th at the Las Vegas Convention Center, South Halls. Open daily from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's all here. Now, within that performance, do you have to perform your own song or are you doing covers? Uh, I'm, I'm performing your all original stuff on, on the show. Um, it, it was recommended at one point that that I do covers. But you know what? I've, I've put a lot of work into, into my songs and, and you know, I'm, I'm comfortable up on stage uh, singing my songs. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing all, all original music on the show. It's awesome. As a performer, that's got to be something else because, you know, you go to that AGT crowd that you're talking about for the platform that you're standing on. That's so many artists, you know, I just got to get in front of these people. I got to get a break. You have no idea out of those 8 million people that are watching behind the camera of that one, two, three, however many producers, you know, labels, whatever they're like, all right, we're just going to keep our eye on this. What does that do as far as kind of inspiring you on your performances? Well, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm actually, I'm a signed artist. I've been, I've been uh, signed to Broken Bow Records for, uh, I signed like a developmental deal a few years ago. And that's what I've released, um, released my EP under and now, now our record getting ready to. And, you know, I'm lucky to work with a lot of really great people and I've kind of got, I, I feel like I've got my team, right? But it's hard. The hardest thing is getting in front of people. And and my biggest thing with that show is, is I get to be in front of 8 million potential fans, right? And potential, uh, potential, you know, people who are going to buy my music or buy tickets to shows or, or, you know, it's just getting, getting the music out there. It's a, it's such a great uh, opportunity. It's, it's like no other show out there um, that, that, you know, even all the singing stuff and, and singing shows and everything, it's, it's just been a great opportunity to just get get my songs out there and and be able to get up there with my band. It's been a big part of it too, um, and you don't get that on on any other show. So, do you consider yourself a writer or a performer first? Which, uh, you know, I, I I would probably put myself in a as a performer first. Um, I didn't move to Nashville. I didn't I didn't move to Nashville planning on being a writer at all. Um, you know, I thought you know, when I moved here, I was like, man, you know. George Strait never had to write anything. And I'm, you know, I'm just going to go and get all these great songs in Nashville and, and make a record. <laughs> I'm going to write off in the sunset. And, and there are, there are, there, look, there are great, there, there are, there's thousands of people that wake up every day in Nashville and their only intent is to write a great, great song. Right. Um, and there's a lot of people that are doing that and you can find some great songs. The reason I fell into songwriting was more just trying to find my sound. It was it was a process for me of trying to find something unique to me 
um, early on, I would get pitched songs from around town. And, and it, first of all, it's hard to get good songs as a new artist. Um, you know, a lot of the really good songs in town are, are being pitched to, you know, really big artists. And so it's hard to get pitched, you know, really good hit songs as a new artist. Um, and it's hard to get pitched uh, songs that are unique to you um, or that you can do your thing to if you don't know what your thing is. And so songwriting for me just became a process of finding out who I was and what I wanted to say and, and finding my unique sound, um, which has really just been combining all my influences, you know, trying to combine uh, that George Strait influence, you know, Vern Gosden, Merle Haggard influence with yeah. uh, Elvis uh, or like kind of a rock and roll side of things. And so that's kind of been my process of just trying to find uh, my own sound. Well, but how many guys have taken that and been successful? I mean, like that, that almost reminds me of like Chris Ledoux, you know, I mean, Chris Ledoux was yep. not afraid to mix it up and, you know, he had the courage to be himself, you know, and exactly, exactly. And you got to do something new. You got to, you got to, you got to be, you got to, you can't be afraid to, to kind of get outside the box a little bit. I mean, I'm look, I'm uh, at heart. I'm, you know, I would consider, you know, myself like a country music traditionalist, right? I love traditional sounds in country music. I love steel guitar. I love fiddle. I love stories. I love melodies. And, you know, that's kind of, and nowadays, uh, traditionalist thinking. But, you know, I, I didn't want to go in there. And, and especially, I mean, I, I cut my record with, with Tony Brown um, and Brandon Hood. And Tony uh, actually produced, uh, I think, 19 records on George Strait. And so it would have been easy for Tony to go, okay, hey, let's let's get George Strait's band and let's just cut a, you know, let's, you know, it would have been me impersonating George Strait, right? It wouldn't have been a George Strait record because you know only there's only one George, but we we could have used those musicians and 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 tried to just do that thing that that Tony's done for years, but we didn't. We went in there with with different musicians and and try to do our own thing and and try to incorporate some of that. I mean, there's some guys that definitely. Paul Franklin and played steel on, on all George stuff. Stuart Duncan played fiddle on a lot of it is, is on a lot of my record. And, and there's a little bit of that, but we try to think outside the boxes a little bit. That's impressive to have those guys there. You know I mean? Being behind George for so long and then to know like, all right, these guys have, you know, they're, they're watching my back now. What mental or physical state do you find is the most conducive for your songwriting? That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think when you're writing, I mean, I, for, for years I wrote as a, what we'd call like a lunch pail songwriter, right. Where you might have, you may have up to like two or three writing appointments in a day. You know, you write from whatever, 10 to 10 to one, and one to three. And, you know, you may write an evening too, or do demo work in the evening. Um, and it's hard to, it's hard to get fully into it. I mean, if you're going through something and you want to write about something specific, it's hard to fully invest yourself for that much time every day. And you can get burnt out pretty easy. Um, I like, I like writing a lot if I'm in a writing mood uh, and it's more of me and just getting in a, a uh, I just gotta have time to like, okay, I have a bunch of time to write. I'm just going to set up stuff and set up some rights with some people I love and, and see if we can get anything. Um, you know, there's, I, I think, I think there are times, especially when you're, you know, sit alone at the house and, and whatever it is, and you're thinking about stuff or you feel inspired, you know, you got to kind of catch that lightning in the bottle for sure. Um, whether that's your, if you're feeling really happy or you're just 
Boy, right at Rip Your Heart, Heart Out, you know, sad song. Uh, you kind of got to strike strike while the iron's hot um, on some of those feelings. So take us through the feeling of this album that you're getting ready to put out. Man, there's a there's a little bit of something for everything and um, for everybody. I mean, this this record was really a culmination of a lot of the of, of, of last five years in town. Some of these songs are, you know, four years old. Some of them are, you know, newer. Some of them are written in, in, in like 2020 and 2021. But it's it's. It, I kind of wanted to include something for everybody. We cut these 14 tracks um, without kind of, without an aim of, of what the record was going to be. We just cut them because we loved the songs. Right. And I was sitting with the guy, Adrian Michaels, that is my, is my uh, guy at Stony Creek, um, which is part of Broken Bow. And he was like, man, your, your music is like Dallas and Fort Worth. You're sitting to listen to all these songs. He's like, man, your music's like Dallas and Fort Worth. It's like, you have this kind of, polished side of things which is still texan you know it's still cool and country um but it's more polished and then you have your like rougher traditional side of things which is you know kind of holding on to your roots and then doing that thing and and it was like man you're right it's a lot like dallas and fort worth if y'all ever been there it's like two totally different cities um and i grew up in fort worth or just south of fort worth the mansfield area and you know that that's kind of my side of town and 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 you know what i relate to the most is that kind of traditional side of things. But um, so, so that's when we, when we decided to, to break the record up, it was like, man, this is like totally split. Seven songs are like totally like trying to just harken back to those traditional roots. And some of these songs are, you know, still country and, 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 but they're, but they're trying to break the boundaries a little bit. Right. They're trying to, most of them I'm trying to rock out or I'm, or I'm uh, maybe it's a little more polished or a little more smooth on the, on the production. Um, and so it was just a cool way to, um, really divide these songs up, but also kind of pay homage to, to, you know, my hometown. In the last, let's just say five years, what would you say has been the biggest development or change that you've seen in yourself as an entertainer? Oh man. Um, you know, it's really been over the last few years. I mean, since, you know, I, of course I was an artist that got kind of knocked down by, by COVID a little bit, you know, I, I was we were kind of ready to go March of 2020. And so all our live shows ended, but really ever since I could get out, I've been out with my band and, and playing shows. And so, man, we've been playing clubs, you know, we've been playing clubs that you got to play a bunch of covers and try to sneak your original songs in there. and, and you kind of learn through that. It's like, okay, you learn how to, uh, how to perform, how to entertain. And, and I had a, I had a lot of that growing up, you know, I grew up watching Elvis and, and learning from Elvis and trying to pick up on stuff he did. And, you know, I find myself bringing some of that into my show and then, and then just, just getting out there and doing it, man, just getting out there trial by error, really just getting out there and feeling like, oh, man, well, that show tonight, you know, I could have done this better or, man, this, this moment kind of worked and it's, you know, talking to the band and being like, Hey guys, do this, what if we did this, you know, or, or found this moment in the show. Um, and it's really just been through playing a bunch of shows that we've, that we've, uh, that I've found that and, 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 you know, try to hone in on the things that, that I'm good at and things that you find, uh, just by getting out there and doing it. So you touched on shows where, where will everybody be able to see you this year in Vegas? Oh man, I, I don't know exactly where yet. Um, 
I've been talking with the guys over at the Rock Mountain Elk Foundation, and uh, I'll be doing a bunch of stuff with them. I know they'll have a they'll have some stages set up. I don't know exactly uh, where I'm going to be yet, um, but I am going to be out there, and and um, so everybody kind of stay tuned for that. Upcoming album and releases. Is there anything we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, the album comes out on September fifteenth. Uh, the the finale of AGT is September thirteenth. And the album comes out, or September 13th, and the, the results show is 14th, and then my album comes out directly after that. And then, um, yeah, right after that, we're getting we're getting out there and playing shows. I'm actually playing Billy Bob's in Fort Worth on the 23rd. It's my first time uh, at Billy Bob's. That's like my hometown club. I grew up going in there and getting kicked out in high school and <laughs> watching everybody. <laughs> I'm definitely going to say something on stage about it. I getting kicked out of there because we did. Me and my buddy has been kicked out of there so many times. Um, see if they kick us out again. All right. We, <laughs> we don't want to turn this into a beer commercial, but what's your favorite Texas beer? Oh, man. I'm a Lone Star fan. I love okay. the Lone Star. All love right. the Lone Star. I actually smuggle it back uh, to Tennessee <laughs> whenever I come back. I feel like. I know. I feel like the bandit, man. I like we. I load up and, and bring back the Lone Star beer because you can't find it here. Show you boys some real beer. <laughs> What's the real beer? Lone Star. <laughs> yeah, that's the real beer. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I can't wait uh, for September 15 to roll around. Uh, it's going to be be quite an opportunity to listen to that culmination of everything that you got going on. And, uh, you know, I mean, what you're doing, where you're going, and back here in Vegas, and just to see how high you go and how far it is, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for everybody here. Like I said, there's a little bit of something for everybody uh, on the record. There's some sad country songs. Uh, there's some rocking tempos. There's some honky talkers. Uh, there's some drinking songs. There's a little bit of everything. So I'm very proud of it and excited to play it all in uh, Vegas this year. Yes, sir. Thank you for your time, Drake. This has been a pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you all. I hope I didn't talk your ear off too much. No, sir. We, I mean, if we could st- sit here and auger down and stay a little while longer too but let you enjoy your uh, time back at home and get ready and uh, get on the road and get ready can't wait awesome well thank you guys so much yes sir thank you very much want to experience more of the nfr then visit nfrexperience.com and we invite you to subscribe to nfr extra on apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe.